Welcome to today's teaching service. You're listening to the First Century Apostolic Church FCAC Temagana. We preach, teach, and live the complete and unadulterated Word of God with genuine miracles, signs, and wonders taking place at every meeting with the Holy Spirit. Our aim is to follow in the steps of the apostles and disciples of the First Century Church founded by our Lord Jesus. Prepare yourselves, therefore, for a powerful encounter with the Word and power of God brought to you by Reverend Dr. V.C.Y. Edwards, the General Overseer of FCAC. He is a seasoned man of God who is blessed with a powerful teaching and deliverance ministry. I encourage you, therefore, to join us every Tuesday at our teaching services at 7 p.m. prompt. You will be truly blessed. God bless you as you join us in the service. Our Father who art in heaven, we thank you ever so much, Lord, for this day and therefore for this meeting. Lord, we gather here in your house knowing the Lord it is your will and for your purpose. The Lord, is you who works in us both to will and to do things that please you. We therefore, Lord, pray that you be with us again in this meeting. Fill this entire place, O oh Lord, with your presence. Take control of everything that goes on here. Grant us humble spirits to understand your word. Lord, to know what to pray for as we ought to. Lord, you might bless us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's all be seated. We continue our Bible study and prayers today. And this evening we are looking at something from, again, from the book of Genesis, which I've entitled, Let Us Make a Name. Let Us Make a Name. Let us make a name. And we take our Bible reading from the book of Genesis, chapter 11, verses 1 to 9. Genesis 11, 1 to 9. Let us make a name. Genesis 11, 1 to 9. Now, the whole earth had one language and one speech. And it came to pass, as they journeyed from the east, that they found a plain in the land of Shina, and they dwelt there. Then they said to one another, Come, let us make bricks and bake them thoroughly. They had brick for stone, and they had asphalt for mortar. And they said, Come, let us build ourselves a city and a tower whose top is in the heavens. Let us make a name for ourselves. Let we be scattered abroad over the face of the whole earth. 
But the Lord came down to see the city and the tower which the sons of men had built. And the Lord said, Indeed, the people are one, and they all have one language. And this is what they begin to do. Now, nothing that they propose to do will be withheld from them. Come, let us go down and there confuse their language that they may not understand one another's speech. So the Lord scattered them abroad from there over the face of all the earth and they ceased building the city. Therefore, its name is called Babel because there the Lord confused the language of all the earth. And from there, the Lord scattered them abroad over the face of all the earth. Hallelujah. Amen. Beloved, the story that we have just read, this incident happened soon after the flood in the days of Noah. Sometimes soon after the flood in Noah's days, then this incident also happened. And when you look at the story of Noah and the flood through which God destroyed everything that had breath in his nostrils, and uh, this story concerned the people of Babel and what they tried to do, these stories... Uh, portray, they show that uh, humankind, man, always, always want to do things that go contrary against the wish or the desires or the commandments of God. And that makes God come in with his judgment. What happened in the days of Noah Exactly so. Man deviated from God's purpose. The whole earth was filled with sin. Man's thoughts, all of man's thoughts, and every intent of the heart was evil. And God had to come in with judgment. Then, uh, God blessed Noah and reached a new covenant with Noah, which we call the Noahic Covenant. So God began again with Noah and his family, eight people. But then, quickly they multiplied. They multiplied. And as their numbers grew, God said they should fill the earth, occupy the whole earth. Now, as they migrated, they reached a place that was very good for building a city. And everything was there. So they decided that they would no longer fill the earth, they would stay there, and again, they began to do things that went contrary to God's purposes for humankind. Um, and God had to come in again with his acts, God's acts of righteous judgment. God's acts of righteous judgment. Hallelujah. And it had been the same throughout the generations, up to today. A man always having a sinful nature is inclined 
is tempted to always go against the commandments of God. And God's judgments are they are righteous as as wide as sweeping or drastic as they may appear, God's judgments are always righteous when it comes to God. God doesn't want us to go in a direction that will lead us into destruction. God, God's judgment always brings us back on track. Um, so God's judgments, are, we say they are to stop. God brings in his judgment to stop humanity's br- proud efforts. Humanity proud, humanity's proud efforts to, to rule, take over God's creation um, in a rebellious and sinful manner. And it's still the same. Man or humanity always exercises uh, proud efforts in order to take over God's creation by rebellion. And this forces God to come in with judgment. And that's why at the end of the age, at the end of the age, God is going to bring his judgment again. At the end of time, that will be the last one, last dispensation, God will have to come in with his judgment again. Now, Bible scholars believe that because of these incidents, the incident in the days of Noah and this incident in the days of Babel that we have just read, um, set the stage. This set the stage for God to call Abraham immediately after the post-Babel incident, post-Babel world. Because God saw that he needed, God wanted man to be righteous. God's plan was man whom he had made and to whom he had given the whole earth to be righteous, holy, worshipping him, serving him, and he being their God. But God saw that after the fall, after the fall in the Garden of Eden, the heart of man had become rebellious, proud. And, and God does not give up on, the, on, his, on, his, on, his, on his plans. God does not change his plan because of man's behavior. So, Bible scholars, and I agree with them, believe that these two incidents, Noah's days and the days of Bible, make God decide that now he will call out a people. He will call out a people whom he will rule, rule and direct and train to remain righteous. Now, these people will remain righteous throughout the generations, paving the way for Christ to come with the last new and perfect, perfect covenant by which man will then be reconciled to God, be able to join God in heaven. Because God saw that he couldn't deal with, with the whole world as they were. And even now, even though God is the owner, creator of the world, God cannot deal with the whole world. Very few, very few recognize God's authority and very few serve God. So God 
Then he said that he would call out somebody who was righteous, somebody who, whose heart, whose heart was sad that that person, you know, would be humble and have faith to obey him. So then God called Abraham. Don't forget, Abraham lived in a, a place in a time when they were idol worshippers. Idol worshippers. They, they didn't know God. They didn't have anything to do with God. But when God called Abraham in chapter 12, well, this incident happened in chapter 11, then the next chapter is when God called Abraham. And Abraham, though he was godless, didn't know God, when God called him, he had enough faith to realize that this was God calling him. And even though God told him to go to a place that he didn't know, that the blessings were of the future, Abraham obeyed by faith. So by faith, Abraham left his country, he left his family, left his father's house with his wife and his nephew Lot to a place that he did not know. He didn't know where he was going to. And that set the stage for faith that you and I are to have. We are to have Abraham's faith through which we will receive the blessing of Abraham. Church, clap your hands for Jesus. The Bible said that people of Babel days, the days of Babel, they had one language. They had one language. They had one speech. One language, one speech. And they had one plan. They all agreed that this is what we want to do. We want to settle in this plain. We want to build a city, build a tower which top reaches up to the heavens. Now, the thing is that Everything that these people had were God-given. God gave them everything. The language, the speech, the place where they decided to build their city and the mortar and the bricks, everything that they had was God-given. And it's rather unfortunate that they decided to use these things to do godless things things. God, the usage of God-given things for godless or sinful things. Same as in the days of Noah. And the same as today. Beloved, you and I will agree, wherever you are hearing me right now, that if you have faith, then you know that everything that we see, everything that we have, is created by God. And more so, everything that we as Christians have given to us by God. All things were created by God. And everything that we have, especially as Christians, were given to us by God. And God never intended that any part of his creation be used for sinful things or in godless pursuits. Especially things that have been given to us as believers, God intended that much as we, they are for our blessing, are for our enjoyment, or for our benefit, they must be used in a godless way. They must be used. They are to be employed to honor and to glorify the name of God. Here we see a people of Babel 
one language. God gave them all one language. Imagine if Ghana, we all spoke one language. I believe that one reason why um, we, may, we may disagree with why Africa, we don't get on with that. We have too many languages. <laughs> too many languages. Ghana alone. I hear nothing Ghana alone. There are about hundreds of languages. So when you don't have one language, once you don't have, don't speak the next person's language, you don't relate to him. You don't agree with him. And I remember when, when I was a student, we had to go and do what we call rural medicine. As part of our training, we had to go and do rural medicine. And some of us chose to go to Boku Hospital in the upper, upper east, just next to the border with Ivory Coast. Yeah, sorry, with Burkina Faso. Burkina Faso. And when in the hospital, almost every patient that came spoke a different language. And I, as a doctor, didn't understand language. So anybody that came, they had to go and look for somebody who is of the same tribe to come and interpret his language to me. And after we've gone through all the routine of getting an interpreter, and I had to speak to the interpreter, and the patient will answer to the interpreter. You can, you can, you can imagine how long it will take to just, just attend to one patient. Then when the patient has gone, the next one that comes, a different thing altogether. Now they have to go and look for Mr. So and so. They are the same tribe. Mr. So and so is gone to town. Now they are looking for him. You know, and we have to wait. So when I should have seen maybe 50 patients, I end up seeing about 10 in a day. So in fact, when we don't speak the same language, uh, with your neighbor, it slows things down. It brings disagreement. So God made them perfect. God made it perfect. They should all speak, speak one language. And when you look at a country like, you know, um, US, Europe, they all speak the same language. Look at how big America is. They speak one language. Look at how big UK is. One language. Germany, one language. France, one language. By Ghana, we have more than 300 languages in Ghana. <laughs> Praise the Lord. And I believe this is one reason why Africa, we have, is one of the reasons why we are behind. Um, as Christians, we are united by one faith. We, can, we, we should all speak one language. We'll come to that. And that's the only way the church can march forward triumphant. We're coming to that very soon. So God made them to have one language, one speech. God made the plane. God made the mortar and the bricks. They decided to use it for sinful means. Beloved, whatever we have as Christians, remember, especially as Christians, everything that we own, whatever we have, is God giving. It's God who gave them to us. The Bible says, for we are persuaded that the things that we see were not created from things that were visible, but God spoke. God spoke, and everything came to being. By faith, we believe that. So, what do we have as Christians? I know that it's God who gave them to us. And therefore, we must be very careful to use this not against the purposes of God, not in the pursuit of things that are godless, but always keep in mind as Christians that whatever you have, whatever you are do, whatever you do, is do it as unto the Lord. Therefore, make sure it is done in a righteous manner. Church, if you agree with me, say amen. amen. 
But instead, these people, having had everything from God, they forgot. They said, come. We have this. And we have, let's go to our text again. Verse 3. Then they said to one another, come, let us make bricks and bake them thoroughly. They had brick for stone and they had asphalt for mortar. And they said, come, let us build ourselves a city and a tower whose top is in the heavens. Let us make a name for ourselves. Let we be scattered abroad over the face of the whole earth. Beloved, it is not a bad thing to make a name for yourself. Because making a name for yourself, before you can make a name for yourself, it involves working hard. It means hard work. You don't just sit down and make a name. Unless the name that you want to make is that you are the laziest man on earth. Then that's also a name. Um... Making a name for, for yourself is not in itself a bad thing. It is only bad when the means that you use to make that name, the means that you use to make that name, the process you use to making that name, and what you use the name for. If these two, these two things are godless, they are unrighteous, then that name is bad. That name is bad. Um, I can imagine that imagine we had a very famous person or powerful person, somebody who has made a name for himself or herself, somebody who is at least known nationwide or even worldwide, who well knows him because he, his name is big, great. Imagine such a person were a member of this church serving God in holiness, devotion and commitment, serving God as a believer in the Holy Spirit. Such a person is a member of the church, not just a member, but actually worshiping with us, praying with us, hearing the word, word of God with us. That will immediately advertise, first and foremost, God. And if this person can be a believer, then others will say, then what am I doing? And I come look at myself and that person is so much, he has made so great a name for himself or herself. And even he or she is worshiping God humbly. Then what am I doing? And that may even bring, that, that, not even, not, not me, that will certainly make some people accept Jesus. Unfortunately, uh, Jesus said that it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter into the kingdom of heaven. Because once a person makes a name for himself or herself, he's got money, he's got power, he's got fame, fame, money, power, authority. And it is difficult. They can. It's not impossible, but it's difficult for such people to actually yield, surrender, to the will of God. And that's what we're seeing here. He said, come, let us make a name for ourselves. And the means by which they are making the name is by building a city. They were, they were building a city. 
When God has said they should spread out, fill the earth, cover the entire face of the earth, now they decided that they would build a city and dwell there so that they will not be scattered over the face of the whole earth, so that they will not. So the purpose of building a city was unrighteous. So they gained the word of God. That's the first thing that they did wrong. Then having built a city, or in building the city, they were also building a tower. A tower in the city, which top will reach up to heaven. Which top will reach up to heaven. They, they, were, they were aware of that the, the presence of God, the existence of God. They were aware of the existence of God. Now, the city therefore that they built symbolized the city that we are building symbolized um, sinful pride. Sinful pride. Make, let's make a name for ourselves. The means by which we are making the name was wrong. The purpose for making that name was also wrong. The means of doing something and the purpose for doing something. That's what we as believers must always think of. When we want to embark on something, when we want to do something new, ask yourself, the means by which I'm trying to achieve this, is it righteous in the eyes of God? And when I've achieved that, what I want to use that thing for, having obtained it, if I should obtain it, what I should use it for, is it something that is righteous before God? And if you can biblically answer yes to both of these questions, then God will bless you and God will bless what you are doing. May God bless you and whatever you are doing in church. Clap your hands for Jesus. But here we have in this case the city that we are building represented sinful pride. We are building out of, out of pride and pride and humility are Two contrary spirits. God will therefore always resist the proud. God will, um, hum, God will bless the, or give, give grace to the humble. They didn't want to be scattered. They wanted to stay in one place. Rebellion. It was also a rebellion against God's plan. Many of the things that a lot of time we do as Christians, if we sit back carefully, and examine what you are doing, the motive for doing that thing, and the process by which you want to achieve that thing, you can see, if you are honest with yourself, you can see that it's out of sinful pride. You just want to make a name. You want to achieve that and that and that and that and that by any means. And for any purpose. I remember a few years back, um, I said something about to my wife, and later she saw that I was right. I, I, I told her, well, we have, we have, I think when it comes to land, this is what I told her, because she wanted to buy some more plots of land. And I said, no, I, I think we have enough, we have enough plots of land. This may sound strange. Uh, if you can buy 100, why just settle for two? <laughs> if you can buy 100 plus of land, why do you just accept two? So I said, oh, I think that what God has given us, 
is enough. We have at least three plots, um, East Legon, Uyarefa, and um, Temakon, 25. I think it's OK. Let's, we have only two children. So I said, let's develop these lands. And I said, then if you can help others, let's, what do I mean you have? Let's use it. Because you are trying to buy under four plus here, and then under, she didn't listen to me. And uh, she lost all that money. <laughs> she, lost, she, lost, she lost a lot of money. Then Lisa, she said, she had to confess that I was right. So my wife sees building the Tower of Babel. Praise the Lord. <laughs> and we, we are very, we are very, we are very um, um, satisfied, content with what we have. But years ago, I knew a woman, such a woman who was quite advanced in age, and she had had money as 40 plus, 40 plus in Ghana. How she acquired, I don't know. And she was in the church. And uh, one of them was situated, we needed one plot to start a branch. And when we approached her, she refused. She had over 40 plus of land. And then also, to make matters, she had no children. She didn't have a single child, and she was about 60, almost 70 years. 40 plus, wanted just one of the 40 plus to build a church on, and she said no. I don't know what happened to her and the plus later. But this is what we're talking about. Hallelujah. So let's be careful that whatever we're doing, we're not doing it out of sinful pride, and then the purpose, the motive for doing that it's not also against the will of God. Um, the city, um, if it are today, will be built out of worldly success. The city, somebody has got money, made money, says, oh, let's do that, I'll do that, I'll do that. Just keep on accumulating wealth. Worldly success. Worldly success. And the tower is a a godless way of worshiping God. There are many wealthy people in the church. There's nothing wrong with being wealthy. In fact, I think God desires that we all be worthy of how God gave, made the entire world for his children. There's nothing wrong in being wealthy. Unfortunately, many wealthy people in the church achieve their their riches or their wealth through godless means. Fraudulent, fraudulent means, cheating, lying, under invoicing, over invoicing, inflating prices, lying. That's how they, that's how they, achieve, their, they achieve their success. And we as humans, we always look at the outward appearance. When we say the person is wealthy, then we think that is great. And such a person may be in the church. Unfortunately, many of them, not all, many, because they achieved their world by their own godless means. When they come to the church, then they also want to worship God through their own godless means. Now, they set the word of God aside. They put God's word aside. They, they are selective in what to obey, and they reject the rest. And they have one belief that while they are financing the church, 
they are supporting the church financially. So whenever the church needs something, they are quick to bring out the money. Then they think that that is the way to get to heaven. Then they are being, you know, righteous. No, sir. No, madam. That is not the way to get to God. Then you are trying to reach God, trying to reach God through the Tower of Babel by godless means. Godless means that's how you want to reach out to God. Um, it doesn't work that way. Praise the Lord. There are many wealthy people in the church who set the word of God aside and they want to achieve eternal life using their own means, their own ways, reaching God. Um, God is holy. A man must approach God. God being holy, man must approach him in a holy manner. Therefore, God has given us his word, his word by which we can reach him. You cannot reach God anyhow, not by your own choice, not by your own But You have to go according to what, how God said we should reach him. Holiness, reverence, and humility. Holiness, reverence, and humility. Praise the Lord. Let us remember, church, that unity of purpose, when you have one language, you have one speech, and you have one purpose, you all agree to do something in unity, you can achieve all things and all possibilities. You can achieve all things and all possibilities. If God is behind what you are doing, if God is in what you are doing, you can achieve everything that you purpose to do. Now, when we look at verses 7 and 8 of our text, 7 and 8, God said, Come, let us go down and there confuse their language that they may not understand one another's speech. Let us here refer to the Trinity, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Once again, as they have always been and always be forever, they are always in agreement. They have one language, one speech. They have one purpose, common purpose. Therefore, they said to another, come, let us go down and there confuse their language. No argument, no dispute, no doubt. They always, the Trinity is always one, compound in unity. One, same language, unity in everything. Therefore, they came down, look at what man was doing, and it was sinful. Therefore, what they had, all they had to do was to confuse their language. All that God had to do was to take away the ability to understand each other. And here, church, let me emphasize one thing which many people fail to understand. In that, in trying to achieve greatness, everyone, everybody in this world, everyone, in an attempt to achieve greatness, which I've highlighted to some extent now, there are various 
steps that you have to take. For example, you want to establish maybe um, first class catering business. Catering business. It's your ambition that you want to be a caterer. You want to set up some catering. So you have orders. You, you, you be, you be off, or you'll be supplying all the takeaways in, in Accra. Um, you don't get there overnight. And it's not a one-step thing. You must go to catering school or you must be trained as a caterer. Having obtained enough training, I believe you have to get a place where you operate from, land or building. You have to get all the equipment that you need to work as a, as a caterer. You have to get people to work with. You cannot do it alone. You maybe need vehicles that will supply or that will you know, um, deliver your, 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 your takeaways. Um, you have to register a company. Um, you have to get the orders. Orders. So it's always, church, it always involves not just one thing, but everything that we purpose to do involves a series of things, one after the other. And they all must come together for you to achieve success. Before you can achieve success, what are you doing? All these stages or number of things must come together before you can achieve some level of success. Now, if one, one thing in this set of things goes missing, everything falls apart. You fail. The whole business fails. And this is one thing that many people don't, don't recognize. You need... Therefore, God divine help, intervention at every stage. One thing goes missing, and that business will fail. One thing is absent, and that degree that you want to get, that education or profession that you want to train, will not work. It takes only one thing to go wrong. One thing to go wrong. And ev though everything else is, is right, they all fall apart. And that is a principle of life. That is a biblical principle. All that they try to do, God didn't say, oh, let's go and take away their language, take away their speech, scatter them, break down the tower, destroy the buildings that they have put up. God didn't say that. Pull down the buildings. No, he said, let's go and confuse their language. So that they may no longer understand one another. And that's all God had to do. So this single act of God led to a failure of all that man that time had planned to do. All their beautiful plans came to nothing. God simply confused their language. Hello? A word to the wise is that SEAC. <laughs> Praise the Lord. So, when we go to Ephesians, Ephesians chapter 4, finally, then we will invite questions for discussions. Ephesians 4, verse 13. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 13. The Bible says, till we all come to the unity of the faith 
and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to a perfect man, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Just one verse. The surrounding verses all support this verse. Now, the Bible says that until we all, we all, we should be edified in the church. God wants us to all to get edified, be trained, grow, so that we all shall come to the unity of the faith. We all will come to understand the faith that we confess and profess. We are all supposed to come to the unity of the faith. There is only one faith. Only one faith. And God expects us all to come to the unity, to understand that one faith, and to be in that faith as we worship him. But what do we see in the world today? We have so many faiths, what we call denominations. And they all call themselves a church. Church is the body of Christ. God doesn't have different, Christ doesn't have different bodies, right? Christ has only one body. That is the church. But we men, man has divided, separated the body or dismembered and dismantled this body into different kinds of faith. But there's only one faith. There is only one faith, genuine faith. Unity of faith. And God, therefore, wants his children. Christ wants his children. Christ wants everybody who is a believer to be in this faith, understand this faith, and live by this faith. And if we are to do that, then the church will be very, very, very powerful. Unfortunately, it is not going to happen. Praise the Lord. Unity of the faith. If you ought to have one faith, there's nothing that can be withheld from us. And then, to the knowledge of the Son of God. I wonder how many people in the churches actually have knowledge of Jesus Christ. In other words, God wants us all to know Jesus. He wants us to know Jesus to the point where we should know him. But while many know him very much, there are many also in the church who don't know him at all. In fact, our knowledge of Christ is at different levels. In every church, it doesn't matter how much we preach, how much we teach, pray and everything, we don't have unity. We don't have the same purpose. We don't have one speech, one language when it comes to the unity of Christ. Sorry, when it comes to the knowledge of Christ. We are at different levels of knowing Christ. Many don't know him at all. And there are some who know him partially, and for years, they are still at the same level. Very few know Christ very, very well. And don't forget that in, in the last day when Christ comes, he, said, he, saw, he told some people, he said, get away from me, I never knew you. I never knew you. If you don't know him, how can he know you? He may know you as your, but he may not know you as his son or his daughter. So, the knowledge of Christ is absent in the church. To a perfect man, God wants us all to, come, to become perfect. Perfect. And here, if we are all perfect, we all have one purpose, one speech, one language, 
I believe that, at least to my sense, every time we say we are meeting on Fridays, 7 to 9, all of us will be here. All of us, if you all had one language, one speech, because we have, we have Monday to plan towards Friday. We have Monday to plan. I start planning from Sunday, immediately after Sunday service, I start planning for Friday. And then for Sunday, there will be no absenteeism. But because we all don't have the same speech, the same language, uh, there's never a time when we have 100% attendance. And when that happens in the church, in the, in the local church, or even in the universal church, the church is weakened. The church is weakened. And the church is not able then to reach out to the world. To the world. Now, perfect man, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, this one I think will be difficult. <laughs> to the measure of the stature. In other words, we should measure, God wants us to measure to the same level as Christ is. Uh, that one, uh, I think I want to beg God <laughs> to come down a little bit for us, or if he come down a lot for us. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Uh, but, I mean, when you look at yourself, I look at myself, um, <laughs> to come to the measure of the stature of Christ Jesus, I think it's a, uh, it's a very, very impossible uh, demand. But once God is saying that, that means that it's possible. Once God says it, God knows who made us, He knows what we can do and what we cannot do. So if God says that, then so be it. Praise the Lord. Well, because we, don't, we are not able to, even this verse 13 alone, so we all count to a unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to a perfect man, to the measure of the stature of the, of the freedom of Christ. That we don't have one language. We all don't have one language. We don't have one speech in the church. We don't have one unity of purpose. We don't agree on many things. And therefore, the church is weakened. Together, individually, we may be powerful. We may have power. We have the Holy Spirit individually. But together, um, we are found to be weak. And therefore, the church is not able able to exert power and influence enough in the world. And you agree with me? The church now is not able to exert enough power and influence in the world because we ourselves, we are divided. Divided in the faith. Divided when it comes to perfection. Lord, we cannot reach out. So, my brothers and sisters, as we look at, let us make a name. Remember that it is not the name that is important. It is the means by which we make that name and the motive for making that name. Remember that everything we do, whatever we do in this life, we will not be like the people, the days of Babel. That it will not be contrary to the commandments of God. Rather, in the Holy Spirit, even if God says, let us, as man was saying, let us build a city. Let's make a name for ourselves. 
as the men were saying that God too says, let us. But remember, you and your colleagues, your brothers and sisters, say, let us. You will say, let us. But your let us cannot do anything. It is God's let us that is, that is supremely powerful. God's let us is the most powerful thing. Therefore, if God says, let us go down and see what our son is doing, what our daughter is doing, and God in three persons will come, and what they see you doing is pleasing to them, is an aroma to them, they will empower you, they support you, they will make way where, way where there's no way. In fact, they can make rivers to flow in the, in the desert for you. And if they should come and see that what you are doing, in fact, is an abomination, they only have to remove one building block. They just remove one thing. And all that you have done through your letters, by your letters, come make a name for yourself or yourselves, will come crashing down. But my prayer is that when God comes to look at what you are doing, God will be well pleased with you. Just say Amen. Clap your hand for Jesus. Say another amen. amen. Praise the Lord. We thank God for his word this evening. And uh, if you've been with us these um, 35 or 30 minutes, we will welcome any questions that you have, any area that you don't understand, the next 10 minutes or so, we will take them and try to answer them uh, by the leading of the Holy Spirit. So it's discussion time. Discussion. We've mentioned some very important things that apply to our lives in this meeting. Some really serious things that apply to our lives. And um, go ahead. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Uh, please, I, I, I wanted to know, uh, how can a Christian believe that we all will be able to speak one language? Uh, when we say one language as Christians, our one language is having one faith, not the language that we speak. But we all come from different tribes. We are all from different tribes. Even though you may speak five languages, I said Ghana alone we have about 500 languages. But our language is one faith. We have only one faith. That's our one language and one speech. Um, our language is coming to know Christ, knowledge of Christ. We all should know Christ. And that is one. Christ is one. It's not two or three. One. So we should all know Christ Jesus, one. Uh, we should all become perfect. Our language that we should become perfect. God wants us all to be perfect. And when we say perfect, it's only one. That we don't have three things. One thing is in three perfections. One. And even God wants us to come to the fullness of the stature of Christ. That's, again, our language. So our Christians, this is the language that we should speak. Not, not words that come out of our mouth. But our faith, knowledge of Christ, worship of God, and... Um, the thing that we do based on faith. Amen.
any other anybody has anything to say so what we say that a people of those days um, what made them what made them decide to stop that place and begin to build what what made them who can tell me they were they were they were traveling from the east moving from the east but they got to a place then decided to stop there what what made them decide to stop there it's all in the text I want, to be, I want to see whether you have understood anything. What made them decide to stop where they, where they did? Because it's, it applies to us practically. In the sense that maybe worshiping God, obeying God, everything is fine. In fact, we are cruising on. Everything is fine. Then suddenly something will make you, something will make you just halt. Begin to do things differently. So in this case, the Bible said, they reached a place where there was a plane. They got their place of Shina. They got their plane of Shina. Maybe they've been, they been moving on rocky, mountainous places throughout. Then they got a place where oh, the land was good, plain, nice. And then they had what? What did they find there? You can tell what did they find there. They found bricks. They, 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 bake, they bake bricks. They found bricks there. And what else? Asphalt. So, having found the plain of Shina, bricks and asphalt, it made them stop there. The point is that you may have been worshiping God for 10, 15 years. Everything is fine. But then, you come into something, elder. You may come into something that you have never had before. And it's, it's very practical. You may suddenly, maybe... Your parent dies and leaves you some big business or anything. Or you marry, you have a child, and then suddenly you realize that, oh, I didn't have this, all this, but now that I have this, I can do that and that and that and that. And that may change. That may alter the worship of God. It may change your worship. And I see this happen almost every day. Hallelujah. If they had not found the plane, if they had not found the bricks and the asphalt, they would have moved on. But because they discovered these things, the plane of Shina, they had to stay there and then they started having godless ideas. Godless ideas. Uh, so that church, if ever you find yourself coming to some blessing, fortune, something that is good, um, remember that everything comes from God. That should not be a barrier. That should not divert you or cause you to deviate from the way you worship God. That's one lesson we learned from tonight's um, Bible study. Anybody has anything else to say? We have about five more minutes. So because they found that place, that's what, that was the, the story changer. They are story change. They are story change.
Is it possible to have one language in the church? Is it possible that we all in this church, no, I, mean, I don't mean dialect, I don't mean that much. Is it possible that we all well, come to the same faith, unity of the faith, knowledge of Jesus? Is it possible? Yes or no? Who said yes? You say yes. Oh, if you say yes, say yes. You say yes or no? Say yes, okay. How many say yes? Let me see my hand, those who say yes. Okay. And how many of us say no? Oh. Oh, be, be free, yes. If no, say no. Yeah. It's, um, it, is pos- it is possible. I think that's impossible. <laughs> It is possible that we all should come the unity of the faith. But at the same time, it's difficult. It's possible. Um, and for that reason, if, I, if you should read Ephesians 4, the Father is difficult or almost impossible. God, Jesus, therefore, uh, gave some from amongst ourselves, among humans, Jesus appoint some to be apostles, some prophets, evangelists, teachers, and pastors. Jesus, knowing how difficult this is, appoints, chooses some people. Yes, we are all called. Calling is there for all of us, but few are chosen. So that these people... God will equip, not by their own power, thought, but God, knowing that he wants his children to come to the unity of the faith, to become perfect, and to know him, Christ Jesus, to the extent of the fullness of the satire of Christ, appoint some, just like you. Christ just appoints anyone, somebody, and then prepare that person, anoints him, empowers him or her, so that through him, through him, Christ, God, can train those who are imperfect, those who are weak, hands that are hanging down, knees that are feeble, toward this goal. We saw that in Moses. Moses was taking of his father, father-in-law's flock when God called him. And immediately, God made him like God to Pharaoh. When Moses died, the mantle fell on Joshua. We see that in Elijah and Elisha. We see it in Jesus and the apostles, the apostles of the Lamb. The same thing is happening now. Same thing is happening now. Um... And it's for this purpose, for this very purpose, so that the Bible said that it's not of him who wills, nor of him who runs, not because you, you want it, not because you want it, not because you are, you, it doesn't come by working for it, but it's God who shows me. God gives it, chooses people out of grace, out of mercy. It may be your turn. But we are in a time now when in the church, even in the church now, many 
are choosing themselves. Again, talking about unity. Though we all know this. If I want to go to Hebrews, uh, Hebrews 5, 4, say that no man, no man should take this. This honor, if we call it honor, I say honor. No man should take this position on himself except those who are called, like how God called Aaron. And yet, though they know it, people call themselves. They themselves, they don't allow Jesus to call them, they call themselves. I'm talking about church leaders. Church leaders, overseers, bishops, pastors. So even they have started, they, they are on their wrong footing to begin with. They began, they started it wrong. So how can they now make somebody perfect? So though it is possible, it's possible. When God says it is possible, but we have made it difficult, very difficult. In Jesus' name, Amen. Anybody has anything else to say? Yes, sir. So, um, Daddy, I'm asking this question because of the very last um, point you've made. Um, how ahead. does somebody know that he has been called? Okay. How does somebody know that he has been called? Very easy. Uh, when I was in the Michelle camp, last time somebody asked a question and her question was that um, should I start training somebody to take over from me or hand over as leader of FCC? That's a very good question. Very good question. Um, I'll come back to your point more precisely but see when, when God has not called you and you're doing God's work, you're doing God's work, it's still God's work. God will always confirm his work because of people who are under you. Don't forget this. God will give you a certain level of honor because his children are under you. But then, such people, because it's, an office, a post that they are, they are occupying, they retire. When they grow, they retire. But when God has called you everywhere in the Bible, when your time comes to an end, when your time is over, God chooses somebody to replace you. It's God who chooses the person. Not, not you training somebody, not you calling somebody, but God will always choose among those who are with you. God will not go outside and choose someone. God knows to the outside. But those who are assisting you, God will choose one of them or some of them to replace you. And we see many churches, leaders, they sprang up. You know, you know a few. Big church, big name. And then they died and then that was it. That was it. Now the sign that God had not called them. Now when God calls you, Come back to your point now. The, the calling is clear. It's not ambiguous. It is not, it is not equivocal. When God, and I pray that God will call you one day. You will know what I'm talking about. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about. <laughs> uh, when God calls you, it's clear. It's not, uh, oh, is God calling me or not? No. If, if it's 
God calling you or not, then God has not called you. If in your mind, has God called me or not, then God has not called you. And it's clear. And it's usually between just you and God. So it is very often you, you who go and tell someone that God has called you. When God called me and others whom he has called, the same. I had no doubt that God was calling me. No doubt. In my case, I heard the audible voice of God. God spoke to me, not like I'm speaking to you now. I heard a voice. And God said, He's calling me for this and that and that and that and that. And that, and that was it. But even then, and very often those who are called, God called, they are not, they are not, you know, enthusiastic. They are not very keen because at that time, you know, very often that is not what you want to do. That is not what you want to do. So you may hesitate, you may delay. And that was what happened to me. In fact, I was not very ready. So uh, wait, let's wait. Let me let me finish. You know, that, that but then you know. So there's no doubt about it. Um, I know how it's like, and those that God has called, they know. But I knew how God called me. And may you all know when God calls you. And when God calls you, the mark, the sign is that he equips you. He equips you, he gives you everything you need to do his work. He protects you. You're not afraid of anybody or any spirit. You're able to confront demons, evil spirits. You're not afraid. So he protects you. He anoints you. He anoints you. The anointing comes upon you. That's number three. And then he directs you. He directs you. And he supplies your every need. Directs you and blesses you. Five things. Five things. Don't forget that I've said before. When God calls you, first of all, you know that he has called you. That's the beginning. But as a confirmation, he equips you. He give you, he gives you everything that you need to do his work. Whatever he want to, want to do or he wants you to do, he will equip you to, you to do that. He protects you. Protects you. You can be assured of divine protection. Three, he directs you. He directs you. Whatever I teach or preach here, it's not my own way. When I sit down, immediately I begin to receive. He directs you. He supplies your every need and anoints you. He anoints you. I see many great men of God, big churches. Big churches. You know what I'm talking about? They have big churches. And you don't see any anointing. I don't see any, I don't see any anointing on them. That, that, that doesn't tell me that they are not called by God. The anointing is a, is a very important point. Anointing. Some, some, some level. Some level. Um, and the anointing depends on what you are doing at that time. For example, if you're doing deliverance and you're dealing with a very weak demon. Demon. It goes away. But if the demon is stubborn, powerful, want to be, want to be uh, 
resistant, God, at that time, God began to give him more anointing. Until a time that this person said, oh, now I'm going, I'm going, I'm going, I'm going, I'm going, I'm going, I'm going. God will, God will give you anointing even at that time as you need it. Anointing is very important. I, I, I know many big ministers who have seen many churches who don't have the anointing in their ministry. And that makes me doubt whether actually God actually called them. Because you can, you can grow a ministry by pragmatic means. Because pragmatic means. If right now, right now we should go to any FM station or TV station and give producers and the directors money and say, please, cover FCAC for us. <laughs> cover it for us. You see, all they have to do is to come here a few Sundays, see what is going on here, and then front page. <laughs> front page. Hey, God is doing some wonderful thing. FCAC, the church in Tema. Within three months, this place will be filled. Do, do, do you know that? Oh, yes. This place will be filled. And because I use pragmatic means, now that I've got what I want, now I have maybe 10,000 people in the church, when one person is doing something wrong, I can't discipline him. If I discipline him, then all the others who are doing it wrong, they'll say, hey, is he a high who? Then they all go away. So then they close their eyes to sin. They close their eyes to whatever is going on. Why they have the numbers and, you know, they've made a name for themselves. So see, now when you are called by God, you are also very careful what you do. You don't do things that others are doing because they are doing it. No, sometimes, and God will show you the thing that they are doing wrong. God will show you things they are doing wrong. So you don't, want to, you don't want to follow them. You don't want to go anywhere near them because they will defile you. They will defile you. Amen. Have I answered your question? Okay. One more. All right. So you answered my first question. Thank you. Um, since you spoke about the anointing, since you spoke about the anointing, yes. so this question came to mind. All right. Is it possible that God will call somebody into ministry, but then the person's the person doesn't um, the person's ministry is probably just one way. For instance. The person has been called into ministry, but he doesn't do deliverance. So all he does is maybe healing, or all he does is just prophecy, but he doesn't do deliverance. Or like it's it's just one thing that is it possible that God will give somebody anointing to work for him, and he cannot do everything. He just does one particular thing. I don't know if my question is making sense. No, it's not possible. When God calls you, anoints you. Whether you're an apostle, a prophet, evangelist, healing is. It's a um, means of deliverance, healing, deliverance. Um, whether you're an apostle, or a prophet, evangelist, teacher, or pastor, when God has called you, that is it. You have the anointing. In fact, pastoral ministry for all. Everyone is a pastor to begin with. You have to be a pastor. First of all, you must pastor a church. Everyone that God has come as pastor at church. And then, based upon the pastoral ministry, you are, you are, you are also a teacher. If you're a pastor and a teacher, you're able to teach. Preach and teach. That is basic. If the person cannot preach and teach, 
Then maybe they call into administration. Preach and teach. Pastor, teacher. Then, other than evangelists, prophet, or apostle. But all these five full ministries, the anointing is there. The anointing is there. Remember, there was a pastor who answered that, oh, uh, you can see that um, I'm a teacher. I'm not a, I'm not a, a pastor. <laughs> he said, I'm only a teacher. <laughs> and I said, no. Teaching is, it should be there. But then, other things might be, be with it. So the anointing is basic. Anyone that God calls, that person must have some level of anointing. And it should be quite obvious. It's obvious. It's a sign that God has filled that person with his spirit and with his power. Because, like I said, many are those who are using various means. They're using the press. Press. They use money. Some even use all kinds of things. Yes. We take the last one, then we go into prayer. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Then the other find out um, those men of God who do healings and anointings and all that and later on they fall into temptation or maybe they get attacked, fall sick maybe they, like getting they get, the microphone is breaking yeah they, praise they, the Lord yeah hello yes so uh-huh they do miracles. End up falling sick. And the anointing leads them. The question is that, what, what about the men of God who work mighty miracles, great miracles, then somewhere along the line, they fall sick. And then uh, we know that they are sick. We don't hear of them anymore. We don't hear them anymore. So you want to know why they fall sick or... The anointing leaves them. Okay. Well, my answer to that is that um, I have my misgivings. I have my doubts about some of the miracles that they claim to work. Because if the, the anointing never departs until you, you doubt with the anointing. You doubt with the anointing. Anointing, there's not a time when God says, now uh, it's okay, sit down. You die now. Let me tell you the anointing. No, no. You die with the anointing. In other words, the anointing stays with you until you die. And many, like I said, many of them use pragmatic means. I know I was at a meeting one day when this so-called miracle worker, somebody came, the person has one short leg. He had a short leg. One leg is shorter than the other. And to my surprise, I said, oh, this is his specialty. His specialty is actually pulling legs so that the legs become equal. I said, wow, what kind of ministry is that? Ministry of leg pulling. I've never, I've, it, is, it is new to me. Uh, ministry is to pulling legs. So he made the man lie down on the pulpit with his trousers and shoes and everything. And then he prayed and then started pulling the leg. And then he said, oh, the leg was equal. The man should go and sit down. But I, as a doctor, I could see that the man's leg was not equal. His legs were not equal. In fact, before you can claim that somebody's legs have become equal, 
uh, you must have confirmation. You don't doubt by faith, but you don't tell me that you put somebody with his shoes and everything, and, leg, and the person is going away still limping, and you are saying that uh, his legs are equal. No, if the legs were equal, when he was coming to the police, you, walk, you have it there. This is how they walk. Then, as he was going and walking away, he should now walk normally. Church, isn't this common sense? It's common sense. But the man was still, and he said, oh, his legs were equal. And if it were me, I would do measurement. We even have a way of measuring the leg. Like we take, there's a spot here. All over the world. All over the world. We have a way of measuring leg, legs. There's a spot here where we put your tape from all the way down to another spot there. And that is the measurement of the leg. So I will, if you are me, I will measure the leg first. Before I even pray for the man, I'll take my reference point to the media maleolus, as we call it. And they tell that this is the length. Then I'll pray for the person, and I'll measure again. You see, God is very, God is very scientific. I'll measure again, and if they are equal, I'll say, now, look at this. Now, the leg was this, and now they are this. And if the legs have not... They are not, it's not my fault. I prayed and God didn't go. God, it is my fault. I'm not the one who did the healing. But I'm not claiming the man's legs were equal. So, you see, many of them fake it. And at that time, as I was saying, I couldn't get up and challenge him. Because they may probably beat me up. The bodyguards would beat me up. I couldn't challenge him. So they got away with it. Get away with it. Such people, because they've been lying to the Holy Spirit claiming things just to let us make a name <laughs> you know some of them not all some of them uh, they don't end well they don't end well so if you ask me i would say that well anyone that the lord's anointing is like david said i cannot touch the lord's anointed usually the anointing continues until their their work here on earth is finished they depart and then God calls somebody else either to replace them or to start another, another work. Have I answered your question? I know that some so-called men of God, so-called, they become sick and you don't hear that, oh, some of them are being a stroke. You heard of that before? Usually stroke is the thing that worries them most, stroke. Uh, but I don't believe in that. I don't believe in that. That's the last one I believe. Let me know feed them. So let us make a name. People are making names in ministry. They are making names in business, making names in politics, making names um, everywhere. But whatever name you want to make, make sure that that name Righteous means and for righteous purposes. In the name of Jesus. Yeah, that was your Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, you can see Hallelujah. Oh, yeah, that was your Oh, yeah, yeah. 
sickness by which was to die. So, that one was divine. That was how God was going to end his ministry. Elisha was sick or was ill with the illness by which he was to die. So, God appointed. And even then, after his death, his bones, you know that story? His bones, dry bones, they were going to bury somebody, their body, they threw the body down the body touched the bones and the person the, person, the body was that the bones were able to raise up the dead bones were able to raise up the dead so that again confirms what I'm saying so the anointing continued in Jesus name Amen we want to pray thank God for this evening and then ask yourself ask for yourself today we've thought of let us make a name yes God wanted to make a name, but righteously for God. So begin to thank God for this evening and then ask for yourself. Make your request known to God. What do you want God to do for you? Just say it in His hearing. In the name of Jesus. Father God, we thank you for this meeting. Lord, we thank you for your word and your presence. Everything that we have heard, what our Lord, we have, we have been told, we have understood. Lord, we have received your word. Lord, we say thank you. At this point, Lord, we say thank you. Lord, we say thank you. We say thank you. We say thank you. We say thank you. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Father, we thank you. Lord Jesus, we thank you. 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 We thank you.
by the word. You're welcome to visit us at Emma Community 5 of PV or being run about. God bless you and we hope to see you next Tuesday.